0: I want to deal this morning with the subject of assurance. I think assurance means everything. For these families that's going through the time of death, I think assurance of where their loved one is at, that makes all the difference in the world. And if you're here today in this service, the only thing really that matters in life is that you are assured of the fact that Christ is your savior and your sins are forgiven and that you're on your way to a wonderful place called heaven. And if you have that assurance, you can conquer just about anything that comes about in life. And he deals with some things. He really gives three different aspects of our life that he's dealing with the church about. He starts in, in chapter six of Hebrews in verse one. He says the whole purpose of this particular lesson that he's teaching is therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection. Let me stop right there. Now that seems like an impossibility. How can he say that we can be perfect? He says we're going unto perfection and the word perfection means completeness. So he said, you can't really be balanced and complete if you just know the doctrines alone. Doctrine is important. But also, you've got to know there's more to life than just having a head knowledge of doctrine. You need a heart knowledge as well. So you need something that goes into your head and filters down into your heart. And that's what he's trying to do. He's saying, if it's just, I know a lot of unsaved people that they know doctrine but they don't know God. Now that seems almost impossible, but I know a lot of people that they're very religious and they follow strictly the things that they were taught, but in their heart, if you ask them, have you had a personal relationship with Christ? They couldn't tell you that they've had that experience. And we all need to know that we're saved and have an assurance that we're saved because it's not just what mom and dad taught you, what your pastor taught you, what your Bible study teacher taught you, what your Sunday school teacher taught you, and I can go on and on. It is the fact that you obey what you've been taught and that you receive Christ as your savior and go on unto perfection, completeness not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He said, we're not starting all over again, we're just adding to what you already know. The reason that you know it is to perform the completion of perfection. And he said, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. So he starts now with three things that's important in our Christian life. These three things we don't always like. First of all, he admonishes them, beginning with verse four. He gives an admonition to them. That means a strong warning. You know, sometimes we can get so used to serving God that we forget the Lord needs to warn us of some things. And here's the strong warning he gives, the admonition. And don't worry, this is the most negative part of the message, and you can take it, I know you can. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Swallow it like castor oil, it's still the Word of God, and it'll work and do you a lot of good. He said, now here's, I, I deal with it occasionally, and it comes up, it came up again, I, it's came up like six times in the past two weeks, our people have dealt with people that uh, go to this passage and, and tell them that they'll say something like this. Do you know if you're not perfect after you're saved and then you do something that's not right, then it's impossible for you to go to heaven and it's impossible for you to get forgiveness of that that you've done. And here's what they base it on. Verse four, for it is, what's the next word? Impossible for those who were once Enlightened, under, under word, underline the word enlightened. Enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and of the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, listen. If you read that and take that at just face value, uh, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but how many of you have sinned since you professed Christ as your savior? Look at that. Now, if you take that, every one of us have, by the way, and if you didn't raise your hand, if you say you're a Christian, you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned. Because we do wrong. I wish we didn't do wrong, we do wrong. We strive for holiness and perfection. Doesn't mean we don't keep trying and we don't let the spirit mold us, but he will touch our heart about things. And he'll deal with us about things. So he said, he said these that fall away, who's he talking about? Now for Rubyville, those of you that's here regularly, you know, I say this all the time, the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. Hebrews. Jews that have converted to Christianity that have gone to offer up sacrifices in the temple. And you know the amazing part of that, when Jesus was here, you know the temple that was there when Christ was was here on this earth, in the holiest of holies, there was no mercy seat, There, there was no Ark of the Covenant. It was just an empty room. No glory, you remember I mentioned that a few weeks ago. So really, they're going and performing, they're going through the ritual but what they need, they couldn't get from sacrifice anymore. You know why? He, he didn't need the blood of goats and heifers anymore. He gave his own blood. But for some reason, after that they came, they were enlightened. They came to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to go back to the sacrificial system. Well, why not? This Christian life we serve now and live now, it is a daily life. If I gave most people the option to say, hey, you can be as close to God as you'll ever be by coming to church three times a year, or daily, you need to seek the Lord, you need to pray, you need to read his word, which seems easiest. Well, that's what happened under the Jewish religion. The males were were required to appear before the Lord in Jerusalem three times a year. Who wouldn't pick that? I mean, that's what people are doing today. They're picking the religion that is most convenient for them. And Christianity sometimes, uh, it changes our plans. Because suddenly, we have to put him first. And when you put him first, that means you've gotta rearrange some things in your life. So they're wanting to go back to that easy way. And I I, I don't wanna leave you with this. He's giving an admonition here. He's saying, you need to be aware of this. And and I don't wanna give you the wrong impression. Yes, it is a daily life. And yes, it it is a thing in our life that we know that our faith as we work for the Lord, our faith is not dead. If we don't do anything for God, our faith is dead. And we know that can be exhausting and that can be a chore, but I wanna tell you, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. As near as I can tell now, I have driven, I have flown, I've traveled by, by bus, by train, I've been in ships and boats, I've traveled over four and a half miles preaching the gospel, and I wanna tell you, it's worth every mile of all of it. You may face some things, but it is always worth it to live for Jesus. You'll never regret a day that you live for the Lord. But he says, verse eight, but that which bear thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. He said, I want to admonish you something. You remember, it's not religion, it's salvation. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Someone said, I heard you say one time that you are saved from hell. And I said, I am. And they said, no, you're saved from your sin." And I said, and because I'm saved from my sin, the wages of sin is death. And I am saved from hell. Isn't it good to know today we don't have to go to hell? It's good to know that we don't have to worry about a lake of fire. We don't have to worry about eternal separation from God. There is a heaven. So he says, you need to take heed, and then he goes on, in verse, in verse nine, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. So first it sounds so negative, he admonishes them. But then after a word of admonition, he gives them a word of affirmation, he affirms them. He says this, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you He said, now I know that you've done this, but I also know what's in you. And there's a lot, there's a lot of good in you that you can't see in you, especially when you do wrong. See, that's the problem with every unsaved person. They see themselves for who they are and what they are, and they can't—they see certain things in their life that they can't change, they, they, they can't get free from, and they're thinking, if I come to the Lord, I, I can't see any of that change. But you have gotta remember, God doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you for what you can be through the power of Christ and the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin. And he says, you're better than that. That's what he's saying. Now, if there's ever any one thing that bothers me, I don't know if I should say it. (laughs) Not because the Spirit doesn't want me to say it, I'm just not sure you can take it. Uh, There's some mornings it's harder to get awake than others. I know you got an extra hour of sleep but you're acting like you're still in the bed. Uh, If there's ever any one thing that bothers me pastoring this church, is I hate it when I watch people give second-class efforts. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're better than that. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to hear preachers get up and just stumble around and say nothing and right. go on. You're better than that. You've got people in here, they're giving their time. I need to have something for you today. It's my responsibility to have a fresh loaf of bread from heaven's oven for you today. That's my responsibility. And when when you sing, you don't get up and just just sing, never practice. And, and, And you know, I watch it a lot because I travel a lot. I'll see, and I certainly mean no disrespect to our guests here singing day, but I'll see it a lot. I'll go into churches and groups will get up in a service to sing and they'll, they'll have one song that God's touched their heart about singing, but because they've got 10 songs on their project, they gotta go through the other nine dead songs to get to the one they should have sung. Or I've gotta do a project just because it's time to do a project. You're better than that. You're better than that. You don't wanna go into a Sunday school class and listen to a teacher that spent no time in prayer, no time in preparation. You wanna go into a class that a teacher has studied the Word of God and is there prepared to share the Word of God with you. You're better than that. Well, that went over so wonderful, I don't know whether to give you the last one or not. But he sees what's in us and really, one day even as believers, it's not only we're gonna be judged for what we have done or not done, he's gonna look at us and say, you could have done this. But you let doubt stop you because you felt like, I don't have the ability. I'm here to tell you, you can do anything if God puts his hand on it and God blesses it. Anything can be done. I love, I love this village. Kenny and I have lived here for years in this village, but I'm here to tell you, we don't have nothing here. Not a gas station, not a grocery store, nothing. Not a red light, nothing. I'm sorry if that offends all the Ruby villains that's been here all your life. There's nothing to draw people here. There's no no factories, there's no. Only thing I know of that's drawn people is church. Now how can that be? You go to a people drive through, and one fellow told me, he said, I drove by that, what is a church like that doing in a little podunk town? I said, it might be a little town, but it's got a great big God inside of it, and he can do anything, anything. And by the way, this is not meant for this sermon, it's meant for another one but we have not scratched the surface. Amen. Praise God. Nobody. But can I give you one more? Yeah. Good, cause it's all about the whole message. Look in verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the, the next two words. Full assurance of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful but followers of them who through patience inherit the promises. Verse 12, I want you to do that. Well, really go back to verse 11. Underline full assurance. Verse 12, underline faith. Then underline the word patience. Then underline the word promises. He says, I wanna give you full assurance. That's what the Lord wants. Full assurance. So first he gives them words of admonition. Then he gives them words of affirmation. So kind of he lets them down to build them up. And then he says, here's words of assurance. Three words of assurance you have. First is faith, second is patience, and third, you inherit the promises. That's what it takes to have assurance. First, you have to have faith. Faith is what I call the trust element. You can do nothing without faith. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the Bible says that he's looking for our faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. All he wants us to do is trust him. Trust him when you don't see the answer. Trust him when you don't see a way. Trust him when you can't figure it out. Trust him when it makes no sense. Just trust him. Trust him when you're well. Trust him when you're sick. Trust him when you're rich. Trust him when you're poor. Trust him when you have a good day. Trust him when you have a bad day. Just trust him. Faith. It all starts with faith. You can't have assurance without faith. I did not say feeling, I said faith. You may not feel well in your body, but God is not sick. You may have pain in your body, but God, he's touched by the feelings of our infirmity, but he doesn't have to worry about that. He has conquered that and trying to get us to a place where that we'll never deal with that again. So first is the trust element. God says if you want full assurance, you've gotta trust me. That's great, because that goes all the way down, even a little child can trust him. It's as simple as a dad looking up to a child saying, jump down, I'll catch you." That's what God's saying, trust him. Trust him, the trust element. Second of all, he says patience. That's the time element. Lord, I'm trusting you. Don't know how much longer I can hold on. You know he's gonna do it. You just don't know when he's gonna do it because he does it in his time for his glory. I read again the other day a friend of George Mueller's that wrote about his life, and if you ever get a chance to read the life of George Mueller, just trust me, it's worth the read. Uh, He was a phenomenal man, what God did through his ministry, not only to reach souls, but he had an unbelievable orphanage. He's the one that oftentimes they wouldn't have food for these hundreds of orphans, and they came in one day, said, we have no food. What do you want us to do? George Mueller said, set the table. I'll go to prayer. When he finished praying, an individual came in with loads and loads of food. Just a few minutes after he said amen. He never, never did anything to raise money. He trusted God with all of it. We have a dear friend of our church here that in his ministry that takes care of so many wonderful, wonderful people And not one time has he ever sent out a newsletter asking for money, not one time has he ever asked me for money. He just trusts the Lord for what he needs. And he says, it'll come in time. Just because you haven't been healed yet doesn't mean you're not going to receive your healing. Just because your family is not saved yet doesn't mean they're not going to be saved. There is a time element involved. God uses that time for his purpose. So you've got a trust element and you've got a time element. But then he said, when you do that, you inherit the promises of God. Now when the promises come to pass, even if it hasn't come to pass yet, since God promised it, you can count on it, the check is in the mail. It's coming. It's on its way. You may be like Daniel, pray for 21 days, and there would be a war in the heavens, but God answered the first day. Don't worry, it's coming, it's on its way. And once you see the promise that it's on its way, even though it may not be here visibly right now, you've got this assurance that to me, this is where everything changes. With assurance, you suddenly go from trusting, and you suddenly go from time, and you go to what I call the thrill element. That's where you shout it out. That's where you're happy that God can take care of everything. Isn't it thrilling to serve the Lord? I say it a lot from this pulpit. If I didn't enjoy worshiping God and going to church any more than a lot of people do, I wouldn't go any more than what they do either. But when I come to church, I am excited to be here. I can't apologize for that. I mean, I look at where I could have been and I look at the things that God has brought me through. I see what he did when he saved me. I see what he did when he called me to preach. I see what he did when he healed me. I see what he continues to do as I fight battles and I can't help but just be thrilled about all of it because you never know know what God's going to bring to pass. But one thing for sure, if he said it, he promised it, you can count on it. What God said he will do, he will always do. Promises of God are sure. You can rest assured if he said it. That's why if you're lost, if you confess your sin, he promised he'd save you. If you believe in your heart, he promised he'd save you. You call upon his name, he promised, he'll save you. He gives that promise. Once you latch onto the promise, and, I, and see, here's what I hate. That claiming the promises been, has been abused by so many because they use it not for the glory of God, they use it for personal gain. I'm talking about claiming the promises of God for God's glory not for personal gain. When you do it for God's glory, you do gain. But it's like giving. I don't give just to receive, even though when you give, you do receive, but that's not why I give. I give because he's God. And he promised he'd bless what I give to him. And when I give it to him, I give it because that's the least I can do, to say, Lord, I love you and I love giving to you, and it's a thrill to give to the Lord and see what he does. So there's the thrill element. Friday night in revival, I gave the invitation. A, a young man raised his hand for prayer. They started to sing and down the aisle he came. And uh, I think maybe Dan was there Friday and I know some others from the church. Uh, he was there Friday and, and Carrie and Josh and them. When he came down, I, I got to, to be up front when he prayed and prayed. Confess the Lord as his savior. Boy, we were rejoicing, I asked him his name, he told me, I gave him a big hug. I said, welcome to the family of God. It is great to get to meet you. And he said, I'm here tonight because of her, and pointed to his sister. I didn't know it was his sister at that point. I started asking some questions. And after that, I hugged him. She said, I gotta give you a big hug. She reached up and gave me a big hug. And she kept holding on because I could tell she wanted to tell me something, but she was so overcome with emotions, she couldn't get the words out. And she said, I'm so glad I brought my brother today. I knew you'd tell him about Jesus. Said seven years ago, I tuned in to Rubyville Church and I was lost and I was watching and I kept watching and said, you preached and said, all of a sudden, I felt so overwhelmed. The Lord said, if you bow your head here right now, I'll forgive you of your sin. You heard what he said, I'll forgive you of your sin. And she said, I'm sorry, I've been sick. I've not been able to get to where you're at, but I made my mind up, I wasn't gonna write you, I wasn't gonna call you, I was gonna come in person and hug your neck and tell you that seven years ago, because of the outreach of that church and the message that you had, I gave my life to Christ and now I get to go to heaven with my brother. Trust him, it's a promise. It's a promise. When you trust him, it might take time. Seven years, but she got him there and it was worth it all Friday night for him to be saved. Trust him, claim his promises. Do you have time for one more? Let me give you one more little little straight. You probably heard it. And uh, I had to listen to it again this week. But there was a Christian mother that had great faith in the Lord. She was a young mother, had a little baby. And she had just started back to work. She didn't want to leave her child, but she knew she had to to, uh, go back to work. So she got One of the relatives is a babysitter to watch the child. She gets to work, she's at work about two hours and she gets a phone call from the family member watching the baby. She said, the baby is burning up with a fever. She said, I'll be right home, told her boss she rushed home. She calls the doctor, she describes everything going on. The doctor said, no, don't bring the baby in. I'm calling in some medicine right now. You leave your house this minute and go get that medicine. She said, sure. She jumps in her car, she goes to the pharmacy to get the medication, and when she comes back out, she realizes, and you have to be a parent going through that the first time to understand, and you know what it's like. You do all kinds of crazy things that your normal routine is broken. And she realized, what have I done? She left the keys in the ignition with the car running She was in such a hurry to get out to get the medicine and when she closed the door, she locked the door. So now she's got the medication to help her baby and she's got her keys locked in a car and it is raining unbelievably. She is broken, she cries out to God. She said, God, I need help, I need help. She's looking everywhere and there's no help. And finally, she goes in and asks them, said, can I use your phone? Cause her phone was locked up in the car. And she calls back and she said, I don't know what to do. And her family member said, check around and see if you can find a coat hanger. And she said, oh, okay. So she got off the phone and she went out and she's trying to find somebody, but since it's pouring the rain, nobody's coming to the pharmacy, nobody's there outside on the parking lot. And she's walking back and forth saying, oh God, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And she looks down in the gutter and there's a coat hanger. Oh, she says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, I needed that coat hanger. She picks it up and runs over to the car and she thought, Why did they tell me to get a coat hanger? (laughs) What do you do with a coat hanger? When your car is running and the keys are locked inside, I don't know anything to do, what am I gonna do? I've got a coat hanger and don't know what to do with it. Oh God, I need help, I need help. All of a sudden, this old, dilapidated vehicle pulls right up beside of her. I mean, it just wobbles as it slowly pulls in. Parts are hanging off of it. It's just spray painted different colors. The tires are absolutely bald and barren. And this guy gets out, bandana on his head, unshaven, untrimmed beard, deep furrows in his face. He just looks scary. when he turns to look at her and says, ma'am, can I help you? She said, I felt a little bit afraid, but something inside of me said, trust me. She said, yes, I need help. I got a sick baby, I've got medicine, and my car, I locked my keys in the car, and the car's running, and, and they said, I need a coat hanger, and I don't know what to do with this coat hanger, and I just, I just need help. He said, let me see if I can help you. Can I have the coat hanger? She said, sure. She said, so help me. It was not 20 seconds, and I heard the click. He handed me the coat hanger, opened my door for me, and said, there you go, ma'am. She said, I don't know why I did it, I just had to do it. She said, I grabbed him and hugged him and said, you are absolutely the most wonderful man ever. You have no idea you're such a good man. you You're such a good man. And he looked at her and he said, no ma'am. And he started to cry, I'm not a good man. I'm not a good man. She said, yes, you are, you're a good man. It took a good man to do this in the rain, to help a lady out in the time of need. He said, I'm not a good man. Said, in fact, I just got out of prison. Said, I was in prison for breaking into cars. (laughs) She started shouting, said, thank you, Lord. You're not only answer my prayer, you're an expert. That's the God that we serve. He can do anything. Full assurance, I have no doubt, he'll save you today. I have no doubt, he'll meet your need today. I have no doubt that he'll help you. Full assurance, full assurance. I said one more, I'm gonna tell you one more. <laughs> Cindy, is it okay if I tell them what your mama said about two days after we were at Thank you. Uh, she'd be too embarrassed to tell me not to. I, there was a bond I had with her mother, I just cannot describe it, and I feel her mother had that same bond. When she couldn't speak, I'd go in in the morning, we always did breakfast together. Uh, I knew she couldn't eat all of her food in the past, when she was in the hospital, said so I'd open it up and try to get a little something down her, get her to eat and joke with her. I'd speak my, speak my name to her and say, hey, I'm here, I'm here to do breakfast, and she couldn't talk, but she'd always get a grin on her face. When it got real bad, they tried to tell Cindy, you know, this can only go on maybe a few more hours. We don't know, it's in God's hands, but she's close to making her crossing at that point they're just telling you what things normally are. Barb said, you don't have the say, Lord does. She lasted quite a a few days after that, lived quite a few days. And so Cindy talked to her about the importance of this crossing, you know, just hearing her testimony as your mom, not that you doubt it at all, it's just that's the memories that you hold on to. So she finally dozed off in her pain and early, in the morning, just a couple hours later, after they'd had this talk, she opened her eyes. She raised up in the bed and she looked at Cindy and said, nothing happened, I'm still here. (laughs) And the more you think about that, that's somebody that is dying in perfect, perfect peace with God. She trusted God whether she went or whether she stayed. How do you trust the Lord this morning?